So if it was brown, I would shoot at it because I might not get another chance for another year. And um, that's kind of stuck with me. <laughs> Tell them the facts of the situation straightforward. It usually doesn't go well. So that's what I think what we're doing with Blood Origins is showing the emotional side of hunters. What kind of help getting over trauma is it to go fly in a helicopter and, and shoot pigs with your M4? Like, is that, is that helping anybody? No, but just tell them, like, let's, let's go kill stuff for fun. I was in the Marine Corps 12 years, and I just, I was told what to wear. And when the industry tells me I have to wear camouflage, I like to say, okay, I, I think I don't have to. The Lord says in all labor, there is profit. And it doesn't say how much you have to get paid for it to be profitable. This is Jesse Phillips, and welcome to the Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what? I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, y'all. So getting on to today's episode. Today, I have Jesse R. Phillips, the Jesse R. Phillips, uh, joining me. I met Jesse through... um, Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins, you may have listened to the prior episode, and I'll actually be talking with Robbie again in a couple of weeks. Um, But uh, I met him at 
uh, a Starbucks across from Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City a few years back. And uh, finally, we were able to get our schedule synced and I was able to have Jesse hop on. Y'all, as you may know, a lot of the time these conversations just kind of go unexpected directions, down weird lines, weird tangents, since we're just having a conversation. And y'all, this one is no exception. We kind of hop all over the place, honestly. And eventually we do get, uh, we do touch on the topic of hunting at least a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we get into Jesse's, Jesse's bear hunt and some of his advice for new hunters, but y'all, this is just a fun conversation. Um, really about life and his experiences and finding your purpose. So hope you all enjoy this one. Uh, but without further ado, episode 211 with the Jesse Phillips. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today, Jesse. I appreciate you hopping on. Man, I appreciate you uh, putting up with my uh, pretentious ways. You've been trying to get me on for seven years, I think. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, when, you, when you're as an attractive model as you are, you <laughs> heard me. Chris, uh, Chris Pratt looking SOB with your you uh, guys can't you guys can't see this right now, but he's shown off the shown off the hamburger meat here. Yeah, sorry, he's man. The, uh, he's looking all kinds you. of sexy right now. He's trying to seduce yeah. me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, through Zoom. So no, the re I let me re so the people that don't know how sarcastic I am. I'm not <laughs> pretentious at all. I just don't have a good brain. And you've been trying to get me on for about what a year. But we did, like you said, you did kind of, mm -hmm. we both kind of decided. And then I just, anyway, I'm glad that it worked out this week because you, you you hit me at the perfect time when I was in a mood to say, let's do it right now. Because if I don't do it right now, it's hard for me to plan it in the future. So. I guess you, I mean, that's why I have to use that scheduler like I do, because otherwise I would mm -hmm. never be able to keep track of it, any of these. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on. I'm glad we finally got to sync up. We I want to say I'm pretty sure when we originally met, it was was through. We were talking about Robbie earlier. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was yeah. through Robbie. We were at Hunt Expo at, at like Starbucks. We, it was a Starbucks. I don't remember which what show it was, but I do remember yeah. it was at Starbucks. It, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the Starbucks across the street from Hunt Expo. And I remember Robbie came up to me. He's like, hey, man, do you know so-and-so? They're really bugging me to come on, <laughs> come on Blood Origins, and they just seem weird. <laughs> I, probably, I probably should be announcing that. <laughs> At least you didn't say the name. Yeah, but yeah. It's, I mean, that's part of his, uh, his, why he's good. He knows, like, he wants to make, he vets people very heavily before he just brings them on. Yeah. And he's, he's good at it. But yeah, so I that's funny. Yeah, but we met at Starbucks over a white girl drink. Yes. Yeah, I guarantee I was not drinking black coffee whatsoever. Oh, 100. There is zero, zero reason to pay for black coffee. I drink <laughs> black coffee all day that I make myself. But if I'm going to go to a, to a coffee shop and have a coffee made, if it's black, that's just a waste of money, in my opinion. So if that it, makes me probably not a really good coffee person. I know. I don't care. I'm a white girl. If it, if it takes me under about 45 seconds to actually say the name of the drink, I'm not paying, I'm not paying $7 for it. It's just not, <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. White chocolate a, mocha with almond milk, a dash of cinnamon. Triple That's grande fine. upside down caramel macchiato with whole milk. And mm -hmm. I don't know something I'm trying to, yeah. and, uh, 
I don't know, some foam, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, now that we've scared off every single dude listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I am curious. Do you get people telling you you look like Chris Pratt all the time? Yeah. Is it, is that like a daily, daily occurrence? Pretty much that. And then when I grew my beard out, everybody, and cause I wear a hat all the time, people think I'm ripped from the Yellowstone. Oh yeah. You know what? I can see that. You've got, you've got a few rip looking pictures on your, on the gram. Yeah. Again. yeah. When I grow my beard out, I look older. My wife wishes I would go back to my Marine Corps days and be, she, she met me and I had a high and tight and a baby face and that's what she loves. And now I'm a free man and I like to have my hair and my beard and all that. But. Oh, that's funny. I, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking through, I pull pictures from your Instagram for the cover photos mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I was going through and it's like, there is one, a pretty significant jump, like in your Instagram photos where you go from full, like baby faced to then like bearded and it's you drop about like 10 years <laughs> right oh yeah like i finally i just turned 31 and i think i look about my age finally but i always like i shave you know if i not now because i shave i look like i'm about an 18 year old kid and in my line of work you know i i like to look my age or a little bit older because a lot of you know it's yeah. hard to take people seriously when they when you look like a kid they say it's a good thing. So when I'm older, I'll still look youthful, but I don't know. My joints don't feel as youthful as my face looks. Oh man. I feel that. I, uh, I went out, I finally, I've been slacking all, all archery season, you know, archery season has started, uh, mm -hmm. out here in, uh, in Montana in a lot of the West. Um, and I've been out one time, one time after mule deer and I really don't care to admit how much my back and knees and <laughs> oh my gosh, I've just not been ready, ready for the season at all. Where are you based out of again? Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay. So your yep, season's yep. just coming up now, right? Yeah. 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 Both seasons about to start. And um, yeah, I'm not, I haven't gotten into the bow hunting yet because I'm, I haven't had, I haven't just haven't done it. So it's, I know, I know a lot of folks that are like that. Um, and it was just, it's one of those things that's, I mean, it's a whole new skill to learn. It's a whole, it's yeah. Let's face it. I'm not saying rifle hunting is easy, but I think it's, it's something you it's can pretty. pick up the basics a lot quicker than. Oh yeah. And for me, like I was raised, I got to, I was raised, I would get to hunt a couple times a year because the 300 acres we lived on were all year during hunting season they released we couldn't hunt because they released out okay. so i would see deer i would see all you know i would, I would do all the scouting and see all the stuff and then they would come in and kill them and then i would get to go hunt like over like two days of the year and so if it was brown i would shoot at it because i might not get <laughs> another chance for another year and um that's kind of stuck with me <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> the way i feel which makes it fun for me because like now i get to go hunt some cool places and like I, I get just as excited now in my thirties because when I was in the Marine Corps, I didn't get a lot of hunting in. And, uh, and then I had a wife and kids and when I'm home, not deployed and not, I, I feel bad just running to the woods and, and disappearing. But now my kids, my, my oldest girls turn nine, they're twins. They just turned nine. My little boy's five. And so the past couple of years, they've, it's been more of a family thing and I get to take them. So it's, I, I don't feel selfish hunting as much as I used to, but the bow hunting I haven't got into because of the whole extra time 
I mean, you need to put into it. There's a lot of it's it's such a perishable skill. You know, Mm -hmm. it's I feel like you can get away with like putting down your rifle, uh, you know, end of end of winter and not picking it up again until fall. (laughs) Okay, put a few rounds through it, you know, make sure you're still sighted in, you know, maybe do a couple of test shots and you're probably pretty safe to hunt still. if shoot this year, I did not shoot at all since last season, but like I probably picked up my bow four times since, uh, since last archery season. And yeah, I do. I'm, I'm not nearly as accurate as I was. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking most of my hunting is going to be done during, uh, during rifle season this year. So I guess you didn't get it. You didn't get a muley wire out. Uh, no, no, I did not. We actually I, I saw a ton. There were some great muleys. Um, a buddy of mine, he hit me up and he's like, Hey, I can't, I was, I can't remember what I was, I was messaging him for some reason. He's like, Hey, by the way, you want to come on a hunt? And he sends me this picture and it's just, all you can see are like skyline racks. Like it's just ton of them. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. And so we go, I'm, cause I'm like, this may be my only chance to actually see something. Cause I've done zero scouting, mm-hmm. zero prep. I just moved out, out to Montana this year oh, or this awesome. last year. Um, yeah. November, November, uh, beginning of November will officially be my first full year here. But, uh, it's like, I just, I've been so busy and just trying to catch up on everything. I'll admit I am that guy. I've done zero hunt, zero scouting, zero prep work. He called me up and I, I was lucky that I'd been organizing my hunting gear. Cause otherwise I would have had no idea where anything was. After the move, it was all in different boxes, and I just finished kind of organizing it to get ready for the season. And so, uh, it's just this. This has not been my year for prep work. So I think I'm going to be the target of opportunity guy. If it's if it's brown, <laughs> it's down. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get some meat in the freezer, man. And I told me, well, that's what I've been. That's what I've been telling my friend. I'm like, here's the deal. It was one thing before I had really had experienced a full freezer before, before I took my first elk, you know, I had some wild game in there and it was great, but it was like for special occasions when I'd pull mm-hmm. it out, you know, a really cute, yeah, but when you can, eat, when you, you can know? eat it. Yeah. It's since for the last year I've, I've maybe bought, I've bought like chicken and some bacon and mm-hmm. that's about it. Everything else has been wild game. Mm-hmm. And I can't go back. And if it's the difference between having to go back to buying tri, I mean, and I still love a good tri tip. Don't, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But if it's having to go back to like buying ground beef and tri tip, you know, every week or getting, you know, or getting the big rack, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take the food all the time, like at this point. And I, I, I've never been the first person to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just a meat hunter. I'm like, no, shoot. Some big ass walks out in front of me. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it. the crap out of it. But, yeah. but man, I, mm, it's, it's just too good to pass up. I'm not, I'm not risking <laughs> that freezer anymore. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. This brought up a fun question that we've, do you kill an animal? Do you go out and kill animals or do you harvest animals? Do I harvest them? Um, I, I use the terms interchangeably. It mm-hmm. depends on who I'm talking to and how I want to present it. I don't always like using the term harvest because I feel like it takes away from what we actually do. 
sometimes I use it just, you got to read. I feel like you got to read the room with anything. You got to read the room. You got to read the crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, I, most of the time I do use the term kill. I I don't even know what did I, what did I use? Did I say harvest? No, you said kill. You said kill. No, no. And and I, cause I have very strong feelings about it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I, I say kill because that's what it is. And I think, I think a lot of people, that, are, that use the word harvest. I know it there. I, I get, like you said, reading the, reading the room and all that. I understand that. But I think sometimes like a lot of people, they only use that because they don't want to piss off the antis or, you know, on all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think it almost does the opposite of, I think it's, it's not honoring to the process or to that animal to try to church up and pretty up what's actually happening. Like to, f- to feed my family, I have to, kill the animal i don't harvest it it's not it's not a you know an ear of corn you're not yeah you're not going out and and picking morels you're no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that i'm glad yeah i'm just saying i mean i don't really i said strong feelings i just i think this day and age everything is under attack and if you try to change your verbiage to please people you're going to get screwed like mm-hmm. what we what what alphas need to do I think across the board and politically with your family hunting is just be honest and say what it is and be man enough to, to get kicked in the balls for it mm-hmm. instead of try to like, cause that's the thing. A lot of people are like, Oh, the antis are good man. So we got to change it. You know, they're trying to pretty it up and it's like, no, it's, it's killing. And that's a, it's a very sacred thing. Very sacred. Well, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because then, people will be like, Oh, well, you're just one of those. Uh, I'm going to go down with the ship hunters. And I, that's not the case. Not at it's all. It's like there's, there's a fine line in there where you can be honest about what something is and talk about it mm-hmm. using accurate, truthful terms and things like that. But you know, there's also, you're also, you can also tell the story in a way that's palatable and acceptable for mm-hmm. a wider variety of people. And I mean, we are talking about, Robbie and blood origins. Yeah. Yeah. Before, I mean, that is, he presents stuff in a very raw kind of visceral manner. And And that's what truthful. That's what brought this conversation up. Cause we, he and I, like he uses it um, a lot and I'm the opposite and we're both kind of like, does, does he use harvest a lot? He has in the past, he has in the past, but we've talked about it a lot. And I think he, he's a, he's a wise dude and he's got his own reason to doing it. For those that don't know, I do. If, if you know who, what Blood Origins is, I do a lot of their film work and then produce for a lot of their episodes. So I'm not bashing on Robbie. He's like my yeah. best friend. So like, <laughs> it, it's a it's a fun thing that we we banter about. But um, and the other, another thing, like I use like take it like if I'm talking to somebody that I know hates hunting, I'll say something like take its life, like I, I take this animal's life, which I think makes it sound like it's it's something it's precious. It's a, I mean, life is precious on any level. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I want them to know that and they need to see that. I mean, it's, it's sacred and shouldn't be prettied up, but that's just, I'm also a Marine and I like to kill things. So <laughs> maybe that's where it's coming from. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I, I get, I get in this. I've, I've had this discussion a few times. I, I, I was about to say, I get in this argument all the time, but I really don't. I don't know why I was going to say that. I've had this discussion a, a handful of times and um, 
I'll use the term, but I've definitely moved away from it and gone back. I kind of went through a, a listening to podcasts and, and watching a lot of films and reading the magazines. I kind of, I kind of went through like a, a kill harvest kill phase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where like I, I did got, too. Yeah. That's, that's, I did too. When I first started doing, getting in the industry a little bit, I started using harvest cause I, and then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so I, I went back yeah. to kill too. And honestly, the more now, now that I've gotten back into using the term kill and, and this is not meant to be bashing on anyone that uses the term harvest. This is just like how I hear myself. I hear, I like, I feel kind of like a pretentious douche when I say it late. Like, and I'm not <laughs> saying everyone that uses harvest sounds like that. I'm just saying when I say it, like I get this like accent in my head where it's like, yes. And then I harvested the animal. Um, and I probably say it and don't even realize it all the time, which is funny. Yeah. But when I catch myself, I, I, I don't know. I, I got to step away from it. Um, uh, well, sorry, you're, I'm on your show and I was asking you, I was hey. grilling you with questions. No, it's all good. I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's conversation, but it's, you know, it's one of those things. Cause then, you know, we, we, we kind of talk about that, but we also talk about how it's very important to present hunting in an accurate light. And I think so often people that are, that tend to be more traditional with their language and their words will often hop into the, I'm just going to post bloody kill pictures and do nothing but yeah. this and that and the other. Yeah. And it's there. And I think that's on yeah. the extreme. No, I agree. There has to be a balance of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kowtow to them. Aunties, da, 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 da. I'm like, well, it's yeah. not really not count kowtowing to the aunties. It's looking out for the longevity of a, of a tradition and a sport and a passion and a lifestyle that we, that connects all of us and that we all love. Right. And then that's why I appreciate what blood origins does because I think there's, there's three groups of people in the world when it comes to hunting and it's the antis, it's the hunters, and then there's everybody else. And that everybody else group is very, they honestly, they're the group that they don't really care because it doesn't affect them, mm-hmm. but they're easily persuaded through the anti movement because they got tons of money and they got, you know, the Bambi films and all that stuff that make hunting and hunters look bad. And I think that's, what's cool about what we're doing. Blood origins is that it's basically the antis prey on people's emotions. They make, they, they make you hate hunting or think it's evil because of, and they make you feel things. And a lot of that as through, through movies that we watch and, and all that good stuff. And I think that if you combat, emotion with facts that doesn't usually work very well <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean if you all you married people out there you know like if you're you know your spouse is angry or your girlfriend or anybody's pissed off and they're emotional and you just tell them the facts of the situation straightforward it usually doesn't go well you kind of have to read the room and like all right let them so that's what i think what we're doing with blood origins is showing the emotional side of hunters show why people do it in a way that like is human like not not to be cheesy with our why because that's so overused so much across the world now like find your why all that stuff Mm -hmm. i'm talking about just like fight emotion with emotion like show show the ones that not not the antis not us but the ones everybody else show them why 
why it's a big deal to us and why it's part of who we are. And, and you fight emotion with emotion, not emotion with facts. Because you can get on there and get a scientist to tell you, you know, why conservation is good and why this and why that. And you can do all that, but it still doesn't make that person feel better. But if you can, and and I, so that's kind of my view of it. I think it's a good thing. And I've admittedly been super guilty of that. And I, I, you know, I think there's a balance. I think you can't just solely go with the emotional aspect. No, hundred percent. No, 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 to, no, no, no. There's so you much to, balance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Of, I mean, it's very, it's a very, uh, I mean, it's a very, it's not an easy thing for both sides of it. Like it's, there's so many intricate parts to it and to you, try to protect what you, what we do as a living, understand why other people hate it, not, not give an inch, but also be compassionate towards their viewpoint. I mean, it's, it takes, it takes a lot of uh, in, in self-awareness. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of self-awareness to do that. And like I said, I've been, I've been really guilty of just like getting into the discussion or an argument with someone and uh, just listing out the facts and this is how it is. And that, blah, 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 and there's no connection for them. They effectively yeah. just respond. They're like, Oh, well, great job on Wikipedia with your, uh, you know, irrelevant facts. And I'm like, <laughs> well, they're all perfectly relevant to the discussion we're having, but and then I get all butthurt. <laughs> But I, you know, it's, it, it's tough because we do, we, it, there's, it, there's no doubt that we have all the facts on our side. Like there's too much science, too much history that proves hunting particularly as the North American model of wildlife conservation is effective and mm-hmm. it is good for wildlife and the environment and nature and it's sustainable but uh, yeah, it's so it's hard not to just lay those out. But th- the times when we're really successful are those times when, yeah, you're weaving together your story, you're making it personal to yourself and your emotions and connecting with that person and weaving that together with those facts and presenting mm-hmm. it in a holistic way. Oh, yeah. And that's the that's what really that's what storytelling is across the board. If you want to compel people to feel like you have to, you have to figure out what that, what combination goes into that weave that you're just speaking of. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, um, you've worked, you've worked on blood origins. Uh, do you mm-hmm. do much other work in the hunting space? Is that no, where the not, majority not, of the work is? Not in the hunting space at all. Uh, that's blood origins is the only one in the hunting space that I do. I do a, other, a lot of other film work, um, photography, I do some PR work for a couple brands. I have rental properties, Airbnb, uh, horse, we have a, a horse boarding business, um, so I do a little bit, whatever pays the bills. I just don't like working for the man. So, <laughs> Oh, trust me. I, I feel that I've been doing this business and, and bladesmithing and doing the podcast, uh, doing my marketing business. 
Mm. Uh, then I've, I've been Airbnb out my, my guest room. Awesome. And, awesome. <laughs> which no, no, it's really, really I was about nice. to say, you said your bet. So your Airbnb while you're living there. Yeah. Yeah. And, How's that? How's uh, that? I stopped doing it at the beginning of the month and I will never do it again in my entire life. <laughs> it was, it was actually not a bad experience. I just don't like people that much, all that much. And, uh, yeah. I like having my, I didn't realize how much I, how much stress it put on me until the first week I didn't have anyone there and I didn't have to like worry about the volume of my TV or like <sighs> any of that. It was, I was first time I could breathe in a month. So I'm never doing that again. Yeah. That's uh, that was pretty ballsy. I have one, but, but it's not my home. I mean, it's a, I bought a house for that reason. Yeah. yeah. And it still has a little bit of stress involved of like, uh, you know, I hope, hope they like it. I hope this and that, but like, if they were in my home, no way, no <laughs> yeah. way. Cause I'm the same. Like I love people so much that I hate everybody mm-hmm. and that, that doesn't make sense, but I love people, but I don't want to be around them hardly ever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, you know, that's why I moved to Montana. And so what, what part of Montana are you? Well, I am just outside of Bozeman in Belgrade, which may sound like <sighs> the opposite of what I was saying. No, I, I know. Yeah. I know Belgrade. Well, but I will actually be this time next month. I will be moving up to full on BFE. Um, I will be I will be up in Haver, Montana. Um, Where's that? What's it is next a, to it? What? It is about ten minutes from. Well, my place will be about ten minutes from the Canadian border, from the awesome. Wild Horse border crossing. Um, Which so is that close to like Eureka that area or where? Uh, it's about an hour and a half northeast of like great falls um, okay, okay. kind of northwest of lewistown okay awesome it's up in the middle of nowhere town of like ten thousand people um so it's not teeny but i will i will be like an hour outside of town even so mm-hmm. i'm just like <sighs> that's exciting do you Goodbye. have good internet out there they so keep your business going. They just wired the entire county for fiber. I will have freaking what? fiber optic internet in the middle of nowhere. I don't even have fiber where I'm at. This it's like Ooh. a dream out there for me. That is awesome. Yesterday, bringing up internet. Yesterday, my internet provider. I hate. I have an AT and T tower on my land. I get a five G tower. Okay. And my and they don't run. To, they don't run fiber from it. So I'm having to go through this like mom and pop one. Yesterday I was uploading 50 photos and literally, you know how you always, when you're trying to upload something in a hurry, you're like, it's going to take a year. Yeah. Literally it went from taking, it said it was going to take one year. That's how slow my internet was. And I, I videoed it and I'll send it to you. It, it was, I was so mortified, but then it like ended in like two minutes. So I don't know what it was, but it literally popped up and said, this is going to take a year to upload. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be up in Montana next month, actually, and uh, I'm going to fly into Belgrade. There, that's where the, the airport I'm flying into. Yeah, okay. Well, you'll have to you have to give me a heads up uh, if I'm yeah. if I'm around. It's going it's going to be a quick. This one's going to be quick. I've been out there a lot this year, um, so we'll definitely have to catch up whenever we're out that way. I, I've uh, done some help out there with Heroes and Horses. Okay. Um, now I don't know if you know what they are, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's one of the only. Uh, nonprofits that I military nonprofits that I'll that I would give money to. 
and help out with and, and tell people to. I think actually some good friends of mine, uh, Ryan and Hillary Lampers, they, uh, they, uh, Ryan's kind of handle and brand is uh, stealthy hunters. Uh, okay. Uh, ST healthy hunter. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I'm pretty sure all the purchases from their website, <clears throat> a percentage goes to support uh, heroes and horses. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. <clears throat> Cause you said it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's where I've seen it before. I was pretty familiar yeah. with it. And, yeah. They they just moved to uh, down near it's, you know, where Virginia city is Yeah, it's closer to Ennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're doing a, the galas this week, uh, that week in Montana, uh, in Bozeman, downtown Bozeman. So I okay. go back for that. Yeah. Well, uh, give them give them a little shout out. Tell us about a little bit about what they do. And okay, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Heroes and horses. Go look them up on the Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. Um, it's a nonprofit set up by uh, Navy Seal who started it. Uh, Micah Fink. He's a good dude. Um, good friend of mine. And uh, he was he basically he was there and helped with the Twin Towers when they fell. He was a lineman outside of. Uh, New York. He was, I think, a teenager at the time, maybe maybe twenty, and that's when he just he ran into the building and they got trapped and all that stuff. And that's when he decided he was going to join the SEALs and he did it, did his thing in Afghanistan, all that. But when he got out, he started this organization um, because he went through. A, you're a you're a veteran, aren't you? No, everyone asks because of the tattoos. I just assumed you were in the army for some reason. You seem like an army dude. Um, I. I, I I don't know if that's supposed to be an insult from uh, no, 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 or you know, no. fine, oh, I'm not a, whatever. I'm a, mar- or a I'm marine. Sorry, I'm that's a marine. right. You're yeah. a marine. We were just talking about saying that's yeah. right. No, 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 no. It's just I just I I've categorized people, and I just thought that's what you were for some reason. I don't know. Right. I guess it was your tattoos. By the way, um, can I get you some crayons or? Oh yeah, man. Purple's my favorite. <laughs> Purple's my favorite. <laughs> um, anyway, so it, it's a it's a 41 day program that they take veterans they have a couple classes a year um i think the classes were from eight to ten um and it's not one of those vacation come get a handout go you know shoot a pig and 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 get to you know it's not like a weekend spa day it's a 41 day intense uh program where they they're on whole 30 the whole time they wake up at four they pt they do yoga then they do cold plunges in the you know in the ice and then they they stay in a pole camp up about a mile away from they have to walk up a hill a mile and back every day to do anything. And in that day one, they get introduced to a, a green broke Mustang and a mule. And uh, most of these guys have never been around them. And they work through the process of learning how to catch them, saddle them all, you know, and within a week they're, they're riding around on a Mustang and, and learning how to work with a mule. And, um, and then at night they have, you know, they have these, they sit around and they talk and they talk about life and issues and how to work through things. And they go through some books, but it's mainly, it's just a, at the end of, then they go on uh, pack trips, 10, 15, 20 day pack trips, which is if you've ever been on a pack trip, I know you've been up in the mountains on foot. They're brutal. They're mm-hmm. brutal. And uh, every day, I mean, there's places last time I was out there that I was on my hands and knees, crawling, climbing up, these grades for hundreds of yards and these horses, I would have to hop off to let the, mm-hmm. and the horses just run up it. And I'm having to like climb it. That's how like the grade it's, it's, 
it's fun. Bears, Grizzly Bears, Bobcats. Anyway, at the end of the 41-day program, they've been put through the ringer. Most of them have lost a lot of weight. Um, and they have really found their – basically, it's for guys that get out of the Marine Corps or the military, and they – they don't really know who they are because for so long you're told who you are in the military. You, you know when to eat, you know when to do this, you know when to do that. And it's really an easy, pro- it's an easy thing because you don't really have to make a lot of decisions on your day to day. And then you get out in the real world and it's a transition. So this kind of helps with that. And um, at the end of the 41 day program, they've lost a lot of weight. They've been broken and, and pressured into figuring out who they are. There's not a lot of handholding. There's zero handholding. There's no, set program of like therapy getting people through therapy this is there it's basically putting them in the vice grip and letting them get pressured and and they're just creating the they're creating the hardship for them and um and then at the end of it they uh, there's a phase three where they can go get a job at any pretty much any ranch in the u.s the big ones and they have a skill set that they know how to go out and implement and uh and do so it's a really great program look them up check them out uh, definitely. And I'll make sure to link to that on the show notes page. That sounds like uh, I like I said, I'd seen seen it mentioned around here and there, but that sounds like an absolutely incredible program. And um, yeah, I'll admit I've, I'm I am personally I've been skeptical of a lot of veterans programs in the past. There's a couple that I've I've done a lot of research on and, and I support. Um, but uh, and then there's others where. I I just don't trust the people running running them, and that's the thing. Like I I'm very cynical about the whole veterans community, and it's kind of like what I was talking about. People, I'm the same way. Like I can say this because I'm I'm a veteran. I hate veterans. That's <laughs> kind of the, everybody gets shocked and like gasp when I say that. But it's like I love them so much, and I see how a lot of them turn into like they feel like that they're entitled to things, and they need. They need, they deserve people to give them stuff. And they, these people go around to these nonprofits and get all these free trips, hunting trips and all this cool stuff. And a lot of the people I think are trying, you know, the people that are setting them up and doing it are trying their hardest to do the best to help people. Mm-hmm. But like, really how much help, like what kind of help getting over trauma is it to go fly in a helicopter and, and shoot pigs with your M4? Like, how, like, does that, does, that, does that help with anybody? Like it's fun. Yeah. Let's go kill. Like, but like, let's not try to wrap that up in, in a three day weekend, we're going to feed you really well. You can kill pigs and it's going to help you like be a better human. And it's like, no, just tell them like, let's just go kill stuff for fun. Okay. But it's like uh, people mean it well, but I think it's part of the problem is they guys coming out of the military and sorry, I don't know if this is the direction you wanted to go, but it's guys coming out of the military I say guys because I was in the in the infantry and I didn't work with women, so I'm sure it's the same with women. I just don't know as many that were in, that served. Um, it's just a different when they get out and then they get in the VA system and then it's like it's it's super easy to become just expect handouts and and I hate that. <laughs> I hate it so much because it like that doesn't help. And so these veteran organizations that are set up to try to help veterans a lot of times just create another way that they can leech off and just get given free stuff. And I'm all like, I appreciate getting military discount from play. I just booked my wife and I, we're about to turn uh, hit our 10 year anniversary. And I booked five days in Jamaica because when I married her, I didn't have two nickels to, I, I literally made our 
my wedding band out of a half dollar and hers out of a nickel. <laughs> like that's how poor I was. But they gave me a 10% discount, which was a huge discount because, you know, those are big expensive trips. So I like them. I just, they're a lot of, like you said, I don't trust a lot of the people that do it. I think a lot of the money goes to places into people's pockets. And then the ones that are mean, well, I don't think a lot of them are actually doing well for the veterans. They're actually just making the problem a little bit worse. Um, Good. And what's the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they really, really mean well. It's just, I think it's make, I think it's hurting the community more than it helps. And um, I mean, I think the, the programs that are really effective are stuff, like you said, the cures and horses, the ones where they, it, it brings in some of those aspects that are familiar, whether, whether that's uh, team building, whether that's PT, you know, PT or uh, in the mornings, whether that's, um, you know, getting up and, and having that, that, that strict schedule where you need to be up and you're moving and you're doing this. And, um, but then it's also taking that and it's mixing in other things that will help them transition, help people transition into a, into a new environment better. Mm-hmm. And then teaching them how to, how to interact in that environment, how to have a skill that will then, uh, what they, uh, all the skills that they have, how that can then translate into, into something useful and usable. Exactly. New life, if you will. And, and it is exactly a new life because like in the military, you're given your purpose. You were told your purpose. You don't have a, you don't have a say so. And so you always know what your purpose is. It's easy. And then you get out and all of a sudden you don't have your buddies all around you. You don't know, you know, child doesn't come, you don't get, three square meals a day. You have to pay for rent. You have to do all this stuff and nobody's telling you what to do. You have no, there's no, and and a lot of guys that aren't, it's a process for every one of us to get out. But a lot of them, the ones I see, they, they, they turn it, they go get their VA rating and they get start getting a, a check in the mail from the government. And they're like, well, I don't have to work. And then they turn fat and they get lazy. And then it's just this whole thing of like, then they lose purpose. They have no purpose. They don't know where it is and they don't know how to find it because nobody's telling them what it is. And then they're taking all these meds for the, the VA's shoving down their throat. And then they have no purpose. They're fat and lazy. They're on the, uh, they're on the couch eating potato chips with their service dog. When they go to Walmart, so their girls will come up and think they're a war hero. And then they wonder why they're all depressed and having suicidal thoughts because it's like you have no purpose and you don't know how to find it. And, and that's the thing that I think we have to figure out is how to do that because PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, the military and law enforcement, they don't have a monopoly on that. Like everybody, it's a human condition across the board and trauma can come from, everybody has dealt with trauma in their life in some way or another, verbal, physical, anything like that. And the military is somehow a lot of people in the military or a lot of people that are outside the military don't want to talk about their own personal stuff because it's like well i never served so like i was not or even guys in the military like i was never in combat so i don't you know like, so it's i'm sure it's much worse for y'all and it's like come on man. like it's a human condition and i think that comes from a lack of the thing that helps fight it is purpose and figuring out what you got to do every day to go a mission be given a mission and like you're talking about if you set up a program that's exactly like the military, that doesn't help them. There has to be, it has to have parts of it to show you how to have structure and all this stuff. But then you got to teach them how to, you got to figure out what your own mission is and your own deadlines are and your own 
uh, version of, you know, figure out where your drive is. And, uh, but that's anybody. It's just the military is, that's such a, you know, there's another nonprofit that I work have a good friend of mine, Nate Borger started. It's called MVP merging vets with players. And it's a lot, it's to show that it's not just a military thing. It's NFL players and vets. And it's showing that these guys, they've been playing in the league for 12 years. They've been playing football since they were 12 years old or younger. They've been playing football for 30 years, all the way through school and learning and all this stuff. And all of a sudden they retire. They have no team. They have nobody telling them what to do every day. And they still live in like they're making, you know, a couple million dollars a year and they're not getting paid that anymore. <laughs> and it becomes an issue. And a lot of them end up going broke and they go mentally, they have a struggle with that. So, yeah, I don't know what got me down on that tangent, but. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like you were saying, you know, even in my own personal life, you know, from, from month to month and week to week. And I, I look and when I, those times when I have a clear view of my path forward and my purpose and my vision for my future and where I want to be going. Those are my best weeks. A bad, uh, crappy stuff can be happening, you know, all week long, but I'll still count that as one of my good weeks. And there'll be, there'll be other weeks to where I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the mud and dragging my feet, whether it's with my business or the podcast or whatever else is going on. And I just, that, I kind of don't have that hope for the future that I normally do. Good, great stuff can be happening all week and I'll still be miserable because of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you said is finding, having a clear view of your purpose and where you're headed is it's there's, there's no replacement for that. There's, uh, there's no way to, until you can really catch hold of that, there's, you're, you're not going to be living a happy life. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's Hemingway. I can't remember what writer, I think it was Hemingway. The two most important dates in your life is the day you're born and the day you figure out why. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. And that, that's a very redneck rough. Uh, that's not verbatim. Um, <laughs> what it was, that was a, that was definitely just from my memory bank. But, um, and for me, like, I don't know why I was born. That'd be awesome if I did. But the thing where I get my drive is to pursue what that purpose is and to try to figure that out. And that's, that's doing stuff and that's working and that's figuring out, you know, why do I get up out of bed in the morning? Even if I don't have to, you know, what, what do I do and why? And, um, cause I think, you know, honestly, I think I'll be trying to figure out who I am or why I was put here for my whole life. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, this is it. I've done, I've arrived. I'm finally there. Like, until I die, that's going to be, but that's what gives us that drive is to figure out what that purpose is. Now, maybe one day I will find what that is exactly. And I'll be happy with it because I know some people have it. They're like, this is why I was born. I was born to do this. And uh, I, I don't know what that is for me, but I know how to look for it. And I know that's what keeps me dry, taking my steps forward. And for me, I have a wife and kids and a dog and a bunch of horses. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have people that I have to provide for. That's my mission. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't have anything. And, um, and that's why, you know, and then the pandemic happened, the quote unquote pandemic, whatever you want to call it, this thing that's been going on in our country, that's weird and across the world. And it's made the whole, like 
people's mental health has just crashed and burned across the board. Not, I mean, not just military, not just firefighters, not just law enforcement across the board. And it's, you know, it's just now is a tough time for a lot of people. And we just need to be like giving, showing people compassion and love and care (laughs) when we can, because it's just so, I mean, it's rough. It's rough for a lot of people. I think, um, I think the pandemic has made a lot of people realize, you know, this maybe sounds pretentious, but like how hollow so much of what they put all of their life into was, whether that's the ability to go to concerts or bars or the movies, Mm -hmm. the ability to like be out with friends. And I'm not saying like out with friends is a bad thing, but like so many people that's their whole purpose is just to go out and have a good time with a bunch of people. Um, Or whether that's, I mean, how many people in this world just do nothing but pour themselves into their work and that's their whole identity. Um, I mean, we work in, we both work in the media in media. Mm -hmm. Like how many people do you, have you met that literally all their life is whether it's film or music or this or that or the other. I mean, I know countless people that literally have no identity outside of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's so much of what this did is it made people realize and that's why they got messed up. They're like, Oh shit. If I don't do this, if I don't go to work, like the world still continues to turn and it's like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Everybody's identity has been taking a hit. Yeah. And that's, you know, honestly, that's, that's all of us, all of us. And that's, that's very, it's a strange thing to, to figure out. It's like, you have to, like, I'm just an ant on this world. If, if I quit doing what I'm doing, like the world's going to keep on turning. Like really nobody, but my family's going to be affected if I go. But at the same time, you, you still got to figure out, you know, if I worked at Subway and quit, like they're just going to hire somebody else to take my spot. It's like, you know so yeah i think you're right i think that's what's done a lot of damage to a lot of people is what they thought was so important was just snatched away really quick and you're like oh hollow is a great word for it you know i loved the first couple months of it because it was like i felt like we did more living as a family than ever because we were home and we live out in the country and we have our own stuff and it's just like it didn't nothing changed besides i wasn't having to work I wasn't having to be on the road the whole time. I was just home living, surviving. And I had to figure out that's when I changed to rental properties and trying to diversify a little bit because the film world and photography kind of just stopped because a lot of my work's out of LA and New York and these big cities that were shut down. And I realized like, what for me, it was like, what's important. And that's time with my family. And, and on, you know, the Lord says in all labor, there is profit, but it's a good thing if you're working. And it doesn't say how much you have to get paid for it to be profitable. I think it means it profits you. It's a human thing. It's mm-hmm. good to work. So to have your own land and your own, you know, growing your own food and, you know, killing your own animals and all that stuff. It's a good, that's work. That's labor. That's a good thing. It doesn't matter how much money you make. So for me, it takes a pressure off. If I have a bad month in work and I haven't, you know, I haven't got a good, you know, a good gig in a month or two. I'm okay because my everyday life has labor and work in it, raising my kids, keeping our little ranch going, 
taking care of everything around here. Like that's where my purpose comes in. And my drive is like, as long as I'm working and I'm not just laid on the couch being a, a lazy bum, that's profitable. And that's a good thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think what what you what you said right there is key is that you have these multiple pieces that that make up a whole rather than one thing. And like, you know, I was talking earlier about people realizing, you know, their their time going out or work or whatever it is that comes off as hollow. And I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad things to invest in and that that, oh, yeah, because I like hunting and fishing. uh that's not that's not hollow the if i invest my entire life into that uh i'm definitely not trying to say that even though uh, hunting and fishing is 10 times better than going to a music festival um <laughs> but i all I, I i'm just saying in certain in certain things people tend to make that their entire identity rather than just a piece of what of something they enjoy or are passionate about um where you know i always talk about yeah my entire life revolves around hunting and fishing but yeah it's so much more than that you know i hunting and fishing is probably what i love more than anything else and i have built my life around that but mm-hmm. my life has a lot more aspects to it than that you know i i right. have my business i have the podcast which again ties in with hunting and fishing but Mm-hmm. you know it's something different i have and no i don't really have a social life anymore uh but uh <laughs> at least you're honest <laughs> yeah i was about to say i have a social life but mostly i just talk with people i text with people now and again um you know there's there's a lot of things i love and you know whether it's my family or this or that and it's 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 focusing on like business you diversified your business uh, mm-hmm. so when one thing started, wasn't working out as much, it wasn't as, as big of a hit. Right. It's, I think the same thing with our purpose and our passions and, and what sustains us in life is diversify. I mean, I'm a full on ADHD mess when it comes to hobbies and things I'm interested in. Uh, like, shoot, you put something in front of me and, and I immediately want to learn all about it and how to do it, whether it's, you know, gutting and skinning, gutting and uh, processing an animal or whether it's crocheting a scarf. (laughs) Do you crochet? (laughs) Uh, I haven't in many years, but I taught myself uh, in college. That is awesome. That's one of the most manly things a dude can do, I think, is make his own clothes. And I I know a lot of people think it's womanly, but I think that's so cool. It was, it was honestly, I'll, I'll admit, I taught myself to crochet because all of the cute girls in my college class had like this crochet club together. And, uh, I was like, good well. reason. Good. That's a great reason. Great reason. <laughs> and I still got a couple of like giant ass crocheted blankets that are completely uneven and lopsided, but <laughs> they're awesome. And I made them myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I did. <laughs> But I think what you were saying, I, I love, you said you love hunting and fishing and you've kind of 
made the rest of your life fit around that. I think that that is very important. And I think that the people, the American dream that I, I think a lot of society grew up on that are our age, I think is, is the American, going to work for 80 hours a week to the same people and having to ask them when you can take your 10 day vacation. And if you're sick, you can only be sick a certain amount of times. And then you're not going to get like, to me that just, and we're both creative people. So maybe it's just a creative thing, a creative, but that just seems like hell to me. (laughs) It really does. And so for you found hunting and fishing and, and then you built your life to, to fit around what you enjoy and what you love. And, that's, I wish more people would do that. But so many people in our country, they build their life around what they do for an occupation. For me, my, what I do is I raise my, like my wife and kids are like, that's what I do. That's my thing. And I've built my life around that. Hunting is a big part of that, but I haven't built it around hunting. I've built it around my wife and kids and raising a godly generation and being able to be, be that for them. And then I also love film work, but I build my, the reason I can do film work and I can do Airbnbs and I can do rental properties and work with horses and do what I do for a living that a lot of people think like, like you get to do all the coolest stuff and you know, your life must be so easy. It's like, it's because I've, I decided what I wanted to do in life, not what I wanted to do for a living. And I think that right there is what a lot of people, like, what do you want to do for a living? I want to live for a living. That's what I want to do. And I just need to figure out how to make enough money here and there to be able to continue to live. And that's what I, that's, that's what I've tried to do the past several years is just, I want to live for a living. I don't want to work for a living. It's, you know, it's, I, it's it kind of a little switch flipped in my brain when you said that. And I, you know, I look back at my past and I always knew what I wanted to do for a living. Always knew since I was in high school. Um, I, I took a couple of community college courses and fell in love with advertising. I wanted to work in advertising and media. Like I knew, and the rest of everything I did was centered around getting a job in advertising. <clears throat> and it wasn't until, you know, five years ago, <clears throat> four or five years ago that I suddenly decided what I wanted to do with my life and then started figuring out how to fit all that in. And you know, I mean, I'm, I, it was in my mid thirties at the time, you know, like it's when, when you're in your mid thirties, it's real hard to shoehorn some stuff around <laughs> once, once I was getting old and settled my ways. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I would encourage anybody that's listening. That's, I mean, and regardless of, of where you are in your life, um, but especially those that are younger listening, like, think about that. Like what life do you want to live? Not, not what job do you want to have? Yeah. Figure out what you, what you want to do in life, like you said, and then figure out how you can make that happen. Cause you can all, but to do that, you have to have a really good work ethic. I'm not saying be a lazy bum and say, I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? A lot, you have to work. You're going to have to work. It takes so much more work and drive to do what we're talking about doing but in doing so you're it doesn't feel like work it feels like you're living a life Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i'm not saying be lazy and and not have a job i'm not saying that i'm saying make your life what you want to do 
your job, make it your occupation. And I'm not saying, you know, the people that say do what you love or, you know, and you'll never work it. Do what you never do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. I think that's kind of BS because it takes, you you have to work. Like it, it takes hard. You have to have a work ethic. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that, but I'm saying just figure out what you want to do for what you want to do for life. Like what is your, and then, yeah. Cause so many people like they work at the factory and they work and it's good, honest, honorable work. I, and, and some people that's what they want is to go be told what to do and work, you know, so many hours a week and get their, you know, Saturday and Sunday off and, and do that until they retire at 60. And then they, for me, that just seems like hell. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I tried it. I tried it for several years and, and I learned a lot and, and I might, you know, but the thing is, and what I do now is so many different things for a living. People like my wife, Lexi was telling me last night, she was like, I see some people ask, so what is it Jesse does? And she was like, I never know how to answer that. Cause like, <laughs> I said, you know, just tell my work in film that kind of helps like head it off, but I do so much stuff. But the thing is like, so I had a film go to Sundance. My first time I ever tried doing film work, it got it Sundance. Nice. And so it, and that's what kind of launched me into doing it, being able to, it sounds cool. And people automatically think, Oh, you're legit. When I wasn't legit, I just, just ran, like I was just a redneck and figured out that I wanted to quit breaking <laughs> my back for a living. And so I YouTube had to do some stuff and, and I already love photography, but it's like, so I remember I did that. And my friend, Tim Kolzak, who he's, he runs the veterans project. I don't know if you've heard of that. If you haven't, you should look it up. It's a great, great. It's a, it's wonderful. Um, it's a black and white. He, he interviews veterans across the board. He gets their stories. It's a blog. It's a, a black and white photo essay. And um, it's one of the greatest things you'll, you won't the veterans project, go look it up on Instagram, Facebook, all that. Um, but he, he, and I'll say this cause he'll, I'll tell him to his face. He's very pretentious. <laughs> he was when I met him and he thought I was, but I remember, and we became, we hated each other at first and then we became best friends. And that's usually the best kind of friendships or that. But he asked me, we were at Sundance. That's where he met because he had something there too. And we were both, it was a big deal to us. The next week I was on my Instagram, I posted and I was burning land. I was, I, I used to work doing land management. I would burn, burn properties and stuff like that. Um, so I set stuff on fire for a living for a while. <laughs> it was like, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. I loved it so much. It was a blast. It was a lot like military, like, like being on deployment, like, most of the time it's boring and then you have a few seconds of like i'm gonna die and then it goes back <laughs> but that that adrenaline every once in a while that you think you're gonna die makes you want to continue to do that because it's fun um what well, i'm that's the long way around the barn of saying i want to do all this fun stuff but i am willing to go work at mcdonald's tomorrow if i have to to provide for my family like mm-hmm. I am not above it. It's not a pretentious thing of like, Oh, I've arrived at this. I'll never do anything, but make this much money. And like, I don't care. Like I'll do whatever it takes. Like I'll be the guy spinning a sign down at little Caesars outside on the road. If that's what it takes to, to provide for my family. I just don't want to stay there. <laughs> well, and that's cause you know where your priorities are. And again, your identity is not based in a specific job or, or making a specific amount of money. It's your, your, passion, your purpose, your priority is your family. And so 
yeah, there's these other things you like and, and you would rather be, you would rather be doing, but if that's going to combat with your ultimate priority, then you're going to sacrifice those things. And exactly. And that's the power. I think, like we said, of deciding the life you want to live, not the job you want to have, because I never, I never got the job I wanted to have. I got passed over for so many promotions that I, I, that I was more than deserving of. I, you know, never quite made what I should be making like that, that whole thing. And now I'm probably making a quarter of what I used to make and (laughs) uh, working 10 times as hard. And, uh, but it, it, my life is so much better. And I do think about, um, I do think about every now and again, probably once a month, I look at, I pull up the job applications and go, am I a crazy person? Why am I running my own business? It's usually after I woke up in the middle of the night, having a panic attack about building a client or something. Uh, (laughs) I hate the talking, the money part. I'm an artist. I, I hate, I'm too nice. I am. I want people to enjoy the art. And just let's talk about that. Let's not talk about the money because I will give it away in a heartbeat. My wife knows it. That's why I don't do any talking about money verbally. I only do it through email because she does the emails because <laughs> I will give it away in a heartbeat. I've been, I've been pretty bad. I've had to hardline myself with some clients because I, I started this whole thing, this whole business I started because I was working in advertising and then I was working in the music industry and I was doing all this digital stuff and I was doing the podcast as well on the side. And I would have guests that would come up and be like, Hey dude, I know you like do this web design stuff. Could you just take a look at this piece on my website and like, let me know if I can do this or if it's possible. And I'd look and I, uh, you know, one of my friends, I was like, your website is is bad, like really, really bad. really bad. And and she's like, oh, what can we do? And I'm like, well, you know, how about this? How about I come out to Texas, you take me on a five day hog hunt, and we just hang out and shoot some stuff, and I'll redo your website. And then I started doing more and more of that. And I, I'm still owed a sailfish hunt out in Florida, um, <laughs> but like just you more need, stuff. You need to cash that yeah, one out, oh, man. yeah. More stuff like uh, exchanges with friends. And then I'm like turning, I've got so much coming in. I'm turning it down because I don't have the time because I'm working more than full time. And I'm like, what am I doing? And that's when, that's kind of when that realization hit that I decided, like, I, I was, I was working the job I quote unquote wanted. I was, I was working a cool job. I was managing digital for the biggest music festivals in the world. But why would I want it? I, it wasn't, I hated it, <laughs> but that was the job I wanted. Right. Like yeah. what? And I, yeah, I just realized I'm like, I'm turning down work with people. I love It's something I'm passionate about that has my life has become obsessive over and I'm turning that down in exchange for what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was probably I mean, there's probably a week from that point to where I put in my notice with my, with my job. That's awesome that you did it that quick. And, you know, I had a, I had a lot of, I had a lot of freedom at the time. I'd saved up some money cause I was planning on moving to Montana and, uh, that it took me a little bit longer to get out here than expected because I decided <laughs> to quit my well-paying job. <laughs> um, I, and I remember I did that. I quit a job. I was making 
I was married and had two kids and uh, was making $35,000 a year. And when, when I took that job, I thought I was like, that's the most money I've ever thought about making. Like I thought I was a rich kid. Like, and then, you know, time passed and you realize it became my life. And it was like for, and I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, I am giving these people my whole entire existence and I'm still like living paycheck to paycheck and having to figure out how to make side hustle and all this stuff just to pay the bills. I was like, this is like, so I, and I remember, I remember I finally came to this realization in Matthew in the Bible, it talks about the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand Hills and he owns the, the birds and the ravens. And it was like, they never asked for anything. He's like, can he take care of you the same way? He's like, you don't have to, I was like, well, I trust the Lord anyway to help me provide for my family. Like, why not do something? Cause I always look to him. I don't, I don't look at my own, how much, if I work really hard, I can make this much money. I'm always like, I'm going to work hard. Lord, you're just going to have to provide everything else. And I finally had this realization kind of like you had, I was like, why do I do stuff that sucks that I absolutely hate? And I'm still having to look to him for help. Why not go do something that I actually want to do and like to do and trust him. And when I made that jump, I went from like immediately made way more money and I was having a blast and I was like, well, that was huge. And then I got to the point where I was making, I was, I was getting so slam busy with, it was all photography at the time. I was doing weddings almost every weekend. I had, I was just slam busy. And I remember I, one of my mentors, cause I was just getting burned out and I was kind of at the point I was like, I thought this is what I wanted to do, but it's like, it's killing me. He was like, well, that's easy. Double your prices. I was like, what? I can't do that. It's like, I'll, I'll lose half my business. It was like, yeah. And you'll, you'll make the same amount of money. You'll do half the work. You'll make the same amount of money. Like, that's, uh, it's so profound. I was like, there's no way that'll work. I did it. <laughs> I, I doubled my prices and I got busier. I doubled my prices three times in the same year. And finally got to the point where I wasn't working as much, but I was making a lot more money. And uh, I don't even know why I told that story, but I, that, that realization of like, why am I doing, why my this sucks. I was like, why am I, why am I working for the man? And I'm still trusting the Lord. So why not just go work for me doing what I want to do and, and trust the Lord. And uh, so I haven't so, looked back. It's been fun. So what we're saying is the second this podcast ends, quit your job. Um, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying with no backup plan because that's what i did i had not i was like i got a camera and i'm gonna do this for a living so yeah go quit your jobs oh we're gonna get some angry emails (laughs) (laughs) and if you're in school drop out yeah school's a sham college is a waste did it did it can you (laughs) all the parents gonna can you still buy buy a vw bus i guess i guess you you buy like panel vans now and and convert that's that's the new thing. No more VW That's buses. The, those are cool though, man. I, yeah. I want to do that so bad. I want to, I want to do that. Build out something and just live. I've, I've come really close a few times to just putting, selling a bunch of stuff, throwing everything in a storage unit and van lifing it with the dogs. Uh, very, very close several times. Um, Montana winters have deterred me somewhat though. <laughs> yeah. Montana summers awesome especially in the gallup valley but man the winters are brutal <laughs> especially where i'm headed <laughs> man oh yeah you're going to the work like you're up there near glacier right 
it's it's a few hours east of Glacier, but it is east. Okay, it's way up there, and it's there's mountains close by, but where I'm at is just wide open. So that wind comes howling through. It's dry as sin. The wind comes howling through, and and before you blink, it's like negative negative forty, negative fifty. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you can die. That is how you die. Yeah, when. It, it's funny when it's that cold, you don't go out and feel cold. You just, I don't know. Everything just feels like it's freezing up because it is. Uh, it is yeah. <laughs> You're literally turning into a human popsicle. Yeah, man. Well, on that note, since we haven't talked at all about hunting, I'm going to end this on a, on a hunting note here. Um, that's why I love these podcasts. Cause it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this conversation. Um, but one thing I always like to kind of wind down and end on is say, you know, you run into someone, they know you're a hunter and they just say, they're like, you know what? I think that's so cool. Or, uh, you know, I've always wanted to get into that. I've always been super interested in hunting, but I don't know. I don't know anyone that does it. I've never done it before. I don't have the resources, whatever it may be. What, encouragement would you give that person hmm that's a good question i would tell them that it's not as complicated as the industry likes to make it seem and you don't have to spend nineteen thousand dollars before you leave the house to go hunting and you don't have to wear uh all the the fanciest clothes and have the most expensive weapon and um, don't overthink it. Just go see if you like it. Because I, I am kind of a, I'm very eccentric and a lot, not eccentric. Um, uh, what's the word? I'm cynical about a lot. And, and I'm the same way with like the hunting industry. I feel like that so much of it is just fr- frills and it's just money making. And it's like, I went on a, a, a hunt, bear hunt last year in Maine. I just got my rug back. It's right there. People I was just about to bring that up as you were talking because really? you were yeah, in some, is. you were in some pretty high end technical hunting camo for that bear hunt, weren't you? Oh yeah, man! <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> I was wearing my so I was. It was with Blood Origins, long, and, uh, and I was going to bust on. If y'all don't know who Robbie Kroger is, it might not be as funny. But if you know him, this is going to be hilarious. Gonna bust on his balls a little bit. <laughs> so this is the third year in a row he's gone to bear the same bear camp to try to kill a bear. The first two years he didn't kill. He got skunked. Everybody he went with killed bears. I went with them. We were working on a. Uh, we had a whole road trip up the east coast to Maine, and so I was filming the whole way. I wasn't. I was. I was there to make money, not spend money. I wasn't gonna buy a bear hunt. Well, I got there. One of the guys around the campfire that I just he was from Mississippi too. And he was just nonstop talking. He was that guy at the bonfire that thought he had to tell all the stories and be the center of attention. And I just, I don't know. I just shot him down every chance I could. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, it endeared him to me so much that he bought me a bear hunt because I put him in this place. I don't know why he became, we became best friends. And he was like, I'm going to buy your bear hunt tomorrow because he killed the first day. So I didn't have any camo with me. And I, to be honest, I don't own camo. I was in the Marine Corps 12 years and I, I just, I was told what to wear. And when the industry tells me I have to wear camouflage, I like to say, okay, I, I think I don't have to, 
<laughs> so I went and, and the guy, the guy that on uh, Grove Hill outfitters up there in Maine, he's a retired star major uh, in the Marine Corps. And he was like, he was like, dude, we're, we're camo. You need to have this, uh, take an AR platform, like a AR 10 or something that you're used to. And I'll, you know, cause you're, you know, we're Marines and all that. He's like, there's, and I was like, no, I'm going to shoot it with the Quigley rifle. It's like, this guy's got a 1800s, you know, what is a 45 110 Quigley down under his remake rifle. And oh, that's what I'm doing. Gosh, and I wear a yes. cowboy hat. I wear a cowboy hat and flannel jacket everywhere I go anyway. And he was like, no, well, at least wear all this. And I was like, no, like, no, I'm not. I was like, he was like, well, you're not going to see anything. I was like, okay. And um, so I told Robbie, I was like, you know what this means? I was like, this means I'm going to go out and kill tomorrow first hour and you're going to stay the rest of the week and you're not, you're going to get skunked the third year in a row. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I went out there in my blue jeans, cowboy boots, flannel, green flannel shirt and a cowboy hat and, and killed. So that's the thing. Like that's the where I, the way I hunt and I'm not, I don't kill the biggest animals. I'm not like, I, I'm not, according to the industry, I'm not a great hunter. I'm good at killing things. <laughs> that, that's what I'm good at. And I'm good at providing for my family and you don't need all the fluff. So that was a long way to, to tell somebody that's just trying to get into it. It's so overwhelming. You pull mm-hmm. up, open a magazine, you flip open it. You got every cup, you know, every new week, new gear, all this stuff, groundbreaking new stuff. You need all this stuff. I did the same when I got into photography. It's the same thing I tell people when they, they ask me, if you want to start photography or film, what equipment should I buy? Like, what's the advice you give someone to get started? I tell them, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. We'll start taking pictures and videos with that. What, what, no, no. I need, I was like, if you can't, if you can't figure out lighting and composition and what looks good in frame with your cell phone, having a $10,000 camera is not going to help you. You know, the movie shooter Shooter was a good shooter. It didn't matter if he had a 22 with a, with a, you know, Sprite bottle taped to the front of it or his, mm-hmm. you know, his $10,000 rifle. Like if you're a good shot, you're a good shot. The same thing with, with film, you don't need all the bells and whistles just, and, and I fell for it in the film world. I went and bought out all the equipment, all the gadgets, all this stuff. And now like I, I'm so minimal in my, in my kit when I travel and I get, I'm way better at it. And the same with hunting. You don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Yeah. You don't need all that stuff. Just go get started. And don't, if you want to, if, if it's a hobby and you want to be a gear queer and buy all the stuff and do all that, you can, that's okay. I don't think less of you. Just, it's not near as overwhelming as everybody makes it think. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said for buy once, cry once and some, in some aspects of things, but if you're working on a limited budget and you're just figuring out, if you want to try something, yeah, do not do not go buy a sixteen hundred dollar bow. Um, I don't know what kind of jackass would do that. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> What's that? Hang- I see it hanging on a wall back there. What you- <laughs> uh, it actually, it is behind me. Albeit though, uh, I, I I did have uh, I did have most of the accessories for this already. And I've had this bow for like five years now at this point, and it's still humming along right. just fine. So, and was, you earlier, you said that your life is hunting and you arranged everything else around it. I'm, That's- I'm also the type of person that does has no ability to just dip my toe into something. 
I'm the guy that like runs screaming in and like <laughs> arms flailing. Oh, sometimes it's great. Sometimes I just run run face first into a brick wall, but somehow I keep I just end up doing that in every aspect of my life. I am either I am either more than 100% or I I'm either that or zero. Like there's yeah. no <laughs> no in-betweens for me. So um but yeah, you know, don't, don't go out and buy the biggest bow. You don't have to go buy the most expensive rifle. You can go to your local gun shop. I mean, depending on what state you're in and check your regulations, you can buy a shotgun and hunt deer with slugs for like 200 bucks. You know, mm-hmm. you can, you can buy an old, I mean, well, nowadays everything's so sparse, a lot harder to find anything for a good price, but um, you know, you can buy an old used, used rifle. As long you know, don't go buy a twenty-two or anything. But, right. um, and that's what I would say. I would say try to find somebody that you can at least talk to that's that's further ahead than you are. Yeah, that isn't telling you to go spend eight eighteen thousand dollars to get started. Um, it's it's fun. It really is. It's fun and it's rewarding. It's not for everybody. There's some people that don't like it, but the people that don't like it most of the time haven't actually done it. So just get out there and find somebody that can point you in the right direction and, and dip your toe in at first before you start. People love to overcomplicate things and the industry mm-hmm. is so just full of all the newest gear and all the money you need to spend and all like you just put on a flannel and go, go see I mean, if it'll work. It's, it's an industry. It is what it is. And I'm not going to fault them for marketing it, but it's also up to us to make an effort to make sure people understand that's, not the requirement. So yeah. Yeah. On that note, if people wanted to uh, follow along, um, see more beautiful pictures of you and kilts, uh, <laughs> Sean and Sean Connery's kilt. I, okay. <laughs> God help me. I was about to end this podcast, but you have to at least tell a little bit about that. Cause I was scrolling through pulling pictures. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was in. I was asked to be in a. It was my first time on a walk. Uh, I was a model on a runway up in New York. I mean, as we discussed at the beginning of the podcast, you are a beautiful man. So it's. I you know that's what that's what they say, but I don't see it anyway. <laughs> so I did that, and it was. Uh, it's called Dress to Kilt. Um, it's a, the biggest Celtic fashion show in the world, and it was in New York this year, and. Um, so I, they had me, I, I was in a couple, I walked a couple different times, but the one I was most excited about was they had me wear it, uh, Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery started this years ago, the fashion show. And he passed away last year or the year before. Um, and so to honor him, they were, uh, they wanted me to wear his kilt. I don't know why they chose me or if the, the kilt chose me or what, but, um, <laughs> So I was, I walked the runway in, in Sean Connery's kilt and, um, had my, uh, went traditional, like all of us good Scotsmen do. And so I had my junk in the same, the same <laughs> kilt that he, my junk has touched the same fabric as his. So I guess that makes me better than you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I talk about. Like, if you knew me. You are like, if you knew me better than you do, cause and we will over the, yeah, cause you think you're awesome. This has been a great, like, we're going to keep up. You'll know. I, I'm just a red, like I am just a, 
is just a dude, man. And so, but because I've just started like enjoying life, trying to make life my living instead of making work for a living to bring it full circle, I get to do some pretty cool stuff. Like I kind of pinched myself. I was like, I'm about to walk the runway in, in a New York fashion show wearing Sean Connery's kilt and I'm a nobody. Like nobody knows my name. Like it's not like I'm Chris Pratt or something. Like that would make sense. But like me, like why do they choose me? I don't know. I'm going to roll with it though. You know? Bro, bro. The, the, my junk touched the same fabric as Sean Connery. No homo. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was fun. Goodness. But yes, if they want to follow me, uh, the Jesse R. Phillips on anything, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, the V is not because I'm a douchebag. It's because for some reason, all the Nigerian warlords think that I have a face that they can scam women with. So they, there are hundreds of fake accounts. Um, they oh, I mean, I've, I've used your pictures to catfish women before. Like, hey, right. Clearly. Yeah. Like, Apparently it's a good, they make a lot of money at it. My wife has been killed off in so many different ways. in these stories that I hear, it's pretty funny. She's died of cancer, been hit by a train. She's, it's pretty funny. They always, I'm a widow or they use my pictures of my kids. And they're like, look, I don't have a, you know, my wife died and I have these <laughs> four kids and they do this sob story. And I was, I'm in Afghanistan right now with my children. I need to get them home. So can you send me money to Nigeria to help me get home from Afghanistan? And people do it. Wow. So stupid. Wow. Anyway. And then they find your real profile and, and, and ask you how, uh, how the trip home was. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And then they asked me to reinvert, like they think it's my fault that they got, that they were stupid and sent $50,000 over there. Wow. And they, and they want me to pay it back. That's amazing. So um, if you're on social media, uh, don't give money to people that you don't know personally. That's, that's my two cents I'll leave to the world and don't fall in love with somebody you've never met. This is, this is wise, wise advice. Some sage um, advice right there. <laughs> sage advice. Well, uh, we will, we will end on that, that, that wise, wise note, dude. I appreciate it. It was a wild conversation. I had a good time chatting with you, man. Thanks for hopping uh, on. Too, man. man, I appreciate it, brother. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 211 to get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Another big thank you to Jesse for taking the time to hop on. It was a little bit different than some of the conversations I typically have, but had a really good time catching up and chatting with him. Uh, Again, make sure you go give him a follow on Instagram, uh, follow along with all his adventures. But uh, y'all, that'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family and more. 